Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the second episode of the About Stuff podcast. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Alex Ozels, and let's kick it off. So when we, when we talk about uh, hydroponic farming, I think people tend to look at it solely as the issue of how are we going to develop uh, farms in urban spaces? How are we going to you know, uh, increase access to healthy, good food for people? What we're really talking about is how do we revamp a crumbling and really weak agricultural system. There's a lot of issues with the way that we handle our food right now. And hydroponic farming is sort of a short-term solution to this problem right now. It's, it's a good way to get uh, food, and particularly good food, in, you know, to give people access to good food and stuff like that. Today, we're going to be talking about hydroponic farming. Now, I'm no expert in the field, and nor is my guest, but he does have a passion for it. The man you just heard was Zachary Chase Johnson. He's going to give us some insight into the whole hydroponic space. We're going to be answering a few questions, or at least trying to. What is hydroponic farming? What are its pros and cons? And how can it fix the agriculture system in the U.S.? Soil, the thing you make mud out of, or more specifically, as the U.S. Department of Agriculture defines it, is a natural body comprised of solids, liquids, and gases that occurs on the land's surface, occupies space, and is characterized by one or more of the following horizons or layers that are distinguishable from the initial material as a result of additions, losses, transfers, and transformations of energy and matter, or the ability to support rooted plants in a natural environment. Wow, that is a long definition. But regardless of how you want to define soil, it is the substrate by which organisms grow, such as, say, an avocado tree, or the grass that feeds cows. In essence, soil is what makes our agricultural system work, not just in the U.S., but across the globe. Without it, I don't even know how you would grow things. And if you don't believe me, let's just hear it from Zach. You know, soil is a resource. It's a medium for growth. It's, a, it's where life starts on our planet. And to, to Zach's point, he's right. Soil is a major source of nutrients for plants for growth. Soil contains nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. And essentially together, they make up the trio known as NPK. Now, there are other sorts of elements in soil, such as sulfur, magnesium, calcium, etc. But plants need all of these elements to grow. It's how they've survived for years. But soil is how plants grow, right? Well, sort of. Yes, you can grow plants in soil, but that's not the only way to grow them. People have been growing things in substrates like water for years. Think about, say, rainwater collecting in a cup outside. If you let rainwater collect and sit there for a few weeks and come back, I bet you would find some sort of things living in it, like some algae of sorts. Or a more common example can be found when cooking with green onion or scallion. Typically, when you buy this vegetable at the store, the roots are still left on. Once you're done with the vegetable, you can just plop it in some water, 
leave the top sticking out, come back in a few days, and you'll notice that your little baby green onion plant has grown a little bit. And yeah, you can cook with it again. It's totally fine. This is essentially hydroponic farming on a super, super, super small scale. But this idea is not something new. It's actually been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. The first hydroponic-ish growing system actually comes from 600 BC Mesopotamia. I say ish because it wasn't actually hydroponic farming. One of the seven wonders of the world, the famous Hanging Gardens of Babylon, are said to be the first place where hydroponic principles or ideas were first used. The gardens in this region were situated along the Euphrates River and suffered from generally dry soil and a pretty arid climate that saw little rain. The famous Hanging Gardens, though, were lush as can be. Historians have led us to believe that there was an elaborate chain system set up that would bring water up from the river and trickle down the garden structure to feed the plants. While this may not seem like your typical hydroponic system, it's technically considered the first place to use hydroponic principles when growing plants. Though the earliest modern reference to hydroponic growing comes from 1929 Berkeley, California. A man by the name of William Frederick Gehrig of the University of California at Berkeley began to publicly promote the idea that hydroponic growing could be used on a massive scale. He first played around with this idea by growing a 25-foot-tall tomato vine in his garden using only nutrient-rich water rather than soil. While his idea proved successful on a really small scale, his idea and vision was way ahead for the time. At the same time, though, many in the scientific community doubted his claim that this style of farming would replace the current agricultural system in the U.S. Subsequently, Gehrig had then been denied the use of the university's greenhouses to run his many hypotheses and theories for this style of farming. The Berkeley administration was also skeptical of him as a professor and tried to compel him to release his preliminary findings to understand how this style of farming worked, but he denied them access to these recipes. At this point, the Berkeley administration thought he was crazy. He thought the administration was crazy for not letting him continue, and things stood at a standstill. Though, eventually, they granted him greenhouse space, under the condition that he would be assigned two other professors from the university. Dennis Robert Hoagland, and Daniel Israel Arnon to check out Gehrig's claims and findings to see whether his formula, or rather solution, to a new style of farming held a real benefit over soil. They went in with a preconceived notion that this style of farming would hold no real benefit over soil. In 1937, Gehrig left UC Berkeley. Under fire from the administration, and due to the fact that his collegiate scientific community doubted his findings, there was really no reason why he should stay. Nonetheless, in 1940, he published a book called The Complete Guide to Soilless Gardening, which contained the basic formula involving the macro and micronutrient salts for hydroponic growing. Two years before, Professor Hoagland and Arnon wrote an article called The Water Culture Method for Growing Plants Without Soil. This book made it certain that hydroponically grown plants yielded no better crop results than plants grown in nutrient-rich soil. But what this article or study missed was the fact that hydroponic growing had other benefits 
than just creating a quote-unquote better crop yield. Hoagland and Arnon did not appreciate the fact that this style of growing had other benefits. For instance, the idea that a root system could have constant access to oxygen and the fact that plants could have access to as little or as much water as they needed was something the two professors failed to realize. However, these are not the only benefits of hydroponic farming. Yeah, hydroponic farming has so many other benefits, but first, let's focus on one. Hydroponic farming uses far less water than normal agricultural growing, as in growing things in soil. Hydroponic farming actually uses uh, less water than uh, growing in, like, in a normal outdoor setting. You know, if you're growing in a normal outdoor setting, you have to consider uh, loss to evaporation, lost to soil like water gets you know when when you when you fear like water your lawn part of that water is absorbed by the plants part of that water sits in the soil but then also part of that water goes down into groundwater it goes down into the water table and eventually goes into streams lakes rivers you know it, it flows out hydroponic farming by removing soil and only relying on nutrient rich water it actually is saving water because you're not wasting energy to pump more in, you're not losing it to the ground, you're not, it's really only being used by the plants. You know, the, the amount of crops that you can yield per year is actually a lot higher. Systems, like if you're growing outside, you have to rely on seasonality. You know, we only have a certain window of months in this exact location where we can grow lettuce. There's only a specific number of rotations that we can grow lettuce on a specific amount of soil because of the nutrients and the water afforded by the landscape. Hydroponic farming removes that variable. You know, you're, you've created your own environment to grow this, this organism, this, this piece of lettuce, you know, this, this plant. And by removing that variable, you can really un know how much water is being used, how much is lost. It allows you to be more energy efficient in a lot of respects. This kind of efficiency goes beyond water, say, applying fertilizer. If you're applying fertilizer in one closed circuit, like hydroponic growing, all of the fertilizer is contained in one system. None of it will leach out, and none of it will harm the surrounding environment. This issue of harming the surrounding environment and losing these valuable nutrients to groundwater and runoff is something that's plaguing farmers in the U.S. It's a big, big, big issue, fertilizer application. You know, hydroponics is showing that it's more efficient in its water usage and also its fertilizer usage. That's a big issue. The, the issue of eutrophication in fresh water you're probably asking yourself, what is eutrophication? Eutrophication is a pretty big word, and it describes a much, much larger problem at hand. Essentially, eutrophication is the excess or increased load of nutrients in, in estuaries and coastal waterways. Okay, now, now take it away, Zach. In our soils, we have limiting resources that make it impossible for us to grow in some places. Like phosphorus is one of those. You know, there's only a finite amount of phosphorus that can be released from the rocks on a given site. So we have to consistently be amending the soil when we're growing plants there. The more and more you amend the soil, that phosphorus is, is not all of it is absorbed by plants. So part of that goes into the freshwater system. It seeps down, it ends up in lakes and rivers and streams, and eventually into the ocean. 
if there's so much phosphorus in the water, which is normally a limiting resource, it creates a perfect environment for algae blooms and the water becomes anoxic and all the fish die. And that's a really freaky concept when you think about it. Building off of this, there was a study done in 1970s where researchers concluded that an additional amount of phosphorus in the water would alter its colors. It underwent a process of eutrophication. It's known as lakes 227 and 226 as the site. We'll let Zach explain it. There's a really iconic photo of this experiment when it was being done. And it was basically this guy, he put a curtain in a lake, this big canvas sheet. And on one side, he dumped a bunch of phosphorus by airplane. And on the other side, he didn't. The color contrast between those two lakes is insane. Or the, the two halves of the lake, rather. On the, the side that's undergoing eutrophication, it's completely green. And on the side, on, you know, on the opposite side of the curtain, it's like crystal clear, blue, amazing, fresh water. Now apply that to the size of our agricultural system, that same concept. We're pumping millions, if not billions of tons of fertilizer into the, the soil, how much you know, fraction of that is going to the plants. And a lot of it is being lost to groundwater and to soil, it's going down. It's being pumped out into the Mississippi River, which is this huge basin that's just collecting fresh water from the eastern seaboard and the western seaboard. It's funneling it all into this, <laughs> into this river. And it's basically causing this huge dead zone. It's, that's the, the term they're using for it, where nothing lives and nothing grows right at the base of the Mississippi River. It's this freaky, freaky thing. And in my opinion, that's the most underestimated issue with our agricultural system. It's our, our inefficiency of fertilizer application and the dangers that it holds. It seems like hydroponics are far better at utilizing fertilizer than our current system. We now know that it seeps into our lakes and streams and flows out into the ocean, creating large algae blooms, killing off wildlife and coral. But how come we just didn't use hydroponic farming from the start? I mean, it makes sense. Well, it's easy to say that now without understanding the history of the U.S. agricultural system. So let's just do a brief dive back in history to understand the U.S. agricultural system. Um, but basically, the agricultural system collapsing in the 1930s. We'd been coming out of the Great Depression. We had the Dust Bowl going on. And our agricultural system was not profitable whatsoever, which is a scary thing for a highly developed country. So we essentially have built our entire system on subsidies. Like a farmer can grow a lot of corn, you know, an insane amount of corn and sell that corn. And all of it can be consumed by people and consumed by animals that then are in turn consumed by people. But that farmer is actually not making any money off corn. They're making money off the subsidies it shows that we really have, there's a deeper issue there with you know, the way that we're handling the agricultural system as a well. whole. So let's do a little bit of a recap. We've talked about the history of hydroponic growing in the US. We've talked about the benefits of hydroponic, and we've talked about the downsides of our current agricultural system. 
So far, it seems like hydroponic is the best way to move forward in farming and in agricultural practices. You have better fertilizer application, better use of water, better for the environment. It seems all around the solution to every agricultural nightmare in the U.S., but there has to be downsides. People underestimate how much energy comes from the sun. You know, we power our houses with light bulbs, but the amount of energy that's coming from that light bulb is, you know, the photons that are emitted, not nearly as powerful in the amount of energy that it's carrying as if it were coming from the sun. In order for these plants to grow, you know, to, to a level that they can be consumed and, and harvested, essentially need to be under lights all day long. Growing things outside is, is a natural process that's been perfected over, you know, millions, billions of years. And these plants are designed to be energy efficient in using natural sunlight and stuff. So, well, yeah, hydroponics is an amazing way of reducing all these other energy costs like shipping and water usage and fertilizer usage. It has all these, these, these benefits. At the same time, it's using an insane amount of energy to essentially run these facilities, which is something we often don't think about when we think about hydroponics. Right. And let's just think about the overhead initial costs. Installing one of these systems isn't cheap. It requires supervision, a whole team, and it requires real estate, tons of it. So it's not that easy to install in the first place. It's not like we can just wipe out all of our cornfields, build some big warehouses, and stick some hydroponic systems in it. If, say, there's a power outage, how is water going to be filtered and how are these lights going to be run? That requires generators, which operate currently on gasoline, which is bad for the environment. So it's kind of a two-way street here. It also requires not just plain tap water, but nutrient-rich water, which is a kind of formula someone has to build into the system. In addition, waterborne diseases can spread super quickly since all of the water is going through the exact same system to all the plants. So one waterborne illness can kill an entire crop yield. While yes, there are downsides, like anything, the pros outweigh the cons. For example, with hydroponic farming, you can grow any crop anywhere, anytime. All you need is some running water and some lights and an indoor space. The water can also be reused, so hydroponic systems require 20 times less water than growing plants in soil. It also requires less pesticides because it's all one closed circuit, like we mentioned. It also reduces nutrient leaching. This means that all the nutrients you add into the water will stay in the water. Another benefit is it requires less labor. While yes, people may be losing their jobs to hard tasks such as tilling, cultivating, fumigating, and mulching, there are other jobs that are born, such as making these hydroponic growing systems and warehouses. Also, you can grow plants all year round. There is no such thing as the ideal growing season and the harvesting season. It is just growing and harvesting nonstop all year round. Since Gehrig's first experiments back in the early 1900s, many scientists and startups have begun to explore the possibilities of hydroponic farming on a more commercial and residential level. Take the Chicago-based startup Rise Gardens. You just really need a bookshelf's worth of space in your house to grow a mini hydroponic garden in your house wherever you are. This means apartment, house, wherever you want. These kinds of projects are the way of the future in hydroponic growing. So why haven't we switched to hydroponic growing on a commercial scale? So like solar panels and hydroponic farming exist within our ideas that exist within a system that doesn't want to change. 
an energy system that's predicated on fossil fuels, an agricultural system that's built off subsidies. You know, we don't want to change these things. So therefore, we don't want to invest energy or time into changing them for the better. I read Hillbilly Elegy, and it's talking about how there's this whole part of the United States that is struggling. You know, they're having, they're, they're not educated. They have drug addiction issues and family issues. There's a lot of stuff going on, and we don't want to tackle that issue. We don't want to invest in education. We don't want to provide jobs and retrain workers. You know, Trump's like, I'm going to reopen the coal mines. You know, we don't want to think about the future. We're too hell-bent on fixing the past. Yeah, this seems, in theory, this is this perfect fix to this issue. But in reality, there are flaws in it. We, we, can't, we can't pretend that it's a perfect system. You know, but that shouldn't deter us from trying. In no way am I saying that hydroponic farming will fix social welfare issues in agriculture. But what I am trying to hint at is hydroponic farming may be a way forward in agriculture in the U.S. While it's not the most perfect solution, as Zach said it, you might as well try. Because the current system in the U.S. is failing. We see a humongous leach of chemicals and fertilizer and runoff, damaging not only other crops, but people in drinking water and groundwater to animals. We also see abusive farmers where they're treating their workers unfairly, paying them lower wages. At least a stab at hydroponic farming could be a way forward, because the pros seem to outweigh the cons here. Less water usage, better application of fertilizer and nutrients, and it also saves a ton of space. Think about it, you can easily stack hydroponic growing systems in urban settings, in empty buildings. Hydroponics could be a way forward in the future, but only time will tell. That is a wrap from About Stuff. Special thanks to Zach Johnson for taking the time to chat with us about hydroponic growing systems. Tune in next time when we talk about sourdough. How do you make a sourdough? What is the right consistency for it? What should we look for when we taste it? That'll be up next on About Stuff. For now, take care. Mm-hmm.